Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello and welcome back to episode 28 of Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan. I am your host, Jason Padolan, and today I had a conversation with Steve Passmore. Now, this guy, as you'll see, is a beauty. He really is. He's, he's fun-loving. He loves a laugh. He loves to get a laugh. He loves to laugh at himself. He just likes to have a good time. Now that does not mean this guy was a jokester when it came to playing because he was one of the fiercest competitors that I ever had the privilege of playing with and uh, and seeing him on the ice as well. He, he was fierce. Uh, a small goalie of, for his era. Um, well, even, I mean, of the time, five foot nine, not a tall guy, not a big build but really athletic, really aggressive, uh, and really dynamic. And he comes on the podcast today. I, I turn on the, I turn on my camera and there Steve is with his, uh, goalie mask on and his Chicago Blackhawks Jersey. That just gives you an idea of Steve as a guy. He was so fun to have in the room and we go over a lot of things, you know, what it was like to be a small goalie, what that's like now um, in the league now, how, where it's gone to size, and if we'll ever get back to seeing some smaller guys between the pipes. Uh, we talk about the position and, and far as superstition and routine and where he fit into that mix. Uh, we talk about the what it takes to be a backup goalie in the NHL and what is your role. And we talk about understanding your role as a player and, and really, how to, how to stay in the league as a role guy and grow from there. Uh, we talk about his time in Kamloops with the Blazers, where he went on to win a Memorial Cup, win the league MVP honors of the playoffs for the WHL and some of the amazing players he played with there. Um, Steve was a professional by all stretches of the imagination. He played a lot of years for a lot of different teams, IHL, AHL, East Coast League, NHL, uh, over, in, over in Europe, in Germany and in Italy. He is. He saw a lot of the world. Uh, he played. He played the game right. He lived the game. He lived the lived the game right. And uh, I hope you enjoy him uh, and and the conversation that we had, because it is a reminder to me that this sport, the people you meet, the idea behind everything we do is that it should be about having a good time and having a smile on your face. So, I hope you enjoy my conversation here with NHL goalie. Uh, Steve Passmore. All right, welcome back for episode 28 of Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan. And today we have on an old buddy and an ex-teammate, um, Mr. Steve Passmore. So, Patsy, thanks so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad I can make the cut. Where's that mask, man? We got to, I mean, when we were off camera here before, uh, just so you guys know a little bit about Steve, 
This is how this is how Steve showed up when his when his face came online. Full on Chicago goalie mask and his jersey, like a true well, goalie. So um, he opted not to do the whole interview in the goalie mask, but uh, I thought that we should be able to appreciate it because that's pretty special. Well, with COVID right now, uh, everybody should be wearing masks. So uh, I don't know how protective this is, but it, it worked all right through my career. <laughs> so good. Is that the one you wore in Chicago? That's one of them. I, yeah. uh, You know what? I got a new one every year. Um, I always did just because I got sick of the paint job. So I'd always have a new one. Right. That's actually cool. Let's talk about that because goalies um, love their gear. That that's all. I mean, I guess players love their gear too, but you guys get to be a little more, uh, I don't know, creative uh, about it with with your pads and your glove and blocker and, and specifically your mask. Was that always um, something that you took a lot of pride in? Absolutely. Um, I I had one painter uh, from the time I started junior till the time I retired. Uh, Frank Cipra was my painter, and we would collaborate every year on the. Uh, you know, on the, on the paint job and, and every year I got a new mask. Cool. It was that, that whether you're in the show or whether you're in the minors didn't matter. Yeah. And was yeah, that on your time? I never asked the team either. I just assumed they paid for it. I don't know if they did or not. Oh, I was just going to say, so you don't even know you never paid, but somebody did. Well, I'm assuming somebody did. I hope somebody did, you know, but uh, I got to every year I would just start talking to Frank and I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I never actually asked where the invoice went. That's funny. Well, maybe. Well, Frank kept talking to you. Maybe that's a good sign. But maybe you should. Maybe you owe Frank a call and just to check I, up. Well, you know what? He's a Facebook friend of mine. Well, there you go. Well, isn't everybody? Is he still doing that? Because now I got the goalie in the mix. Maybe we'll have to do that for one of his birthday presents one year. I don't. I, I don't. You know what? I honestly don't know if he's still. Uh, if he's still doing. That. I hope he's retired by now. Right. How cool would that be eh, for a young goalie to get a little custom paint job on, on the old mask? That'd be pretty sweet for sure. That'd be sweet. Um, so, Steve, this uh, I, I know you know some of the guys that have been on it. I, I think you've listened to a couple episodes, but we try to I, I love having one. You know, I mean, different players on different different paths on uh, you. You were somebody that was un unique in the sense that um, set some records in junior uh, got to yeah. play on like really two different ends of the spectrum, really, as far as, you know, teams were concerned. And then, you know, had had the typical, I would say, battle of like minors to the show and minors to the show and trades and, and you know, what is a pro hockey player? And, and, and I think that those sort of things don't get talked enough. And I know we've got a lot of young listeners on and a lot of parents that are trying to navigate the sport. So I just like, you know, shining some light on on some of that stuff, right? Like what it's like to to be the person um, who's got the mask on, you know, and and what that means and and what that meant to you. So uh, I would like to start back in in junior uh, because the first thing I'm going to bring up, which I, I I love bringing up hockey DB, is um, is your ten is your ten games in merit. Um, can, can we can we go there because I love the stat line, man. You had a six point three eight goals against average, and somehow you ended up in the WHL. So <laughs> how did that all work? <laughs> well, actually, the, the funny thing is, is I started out in the WHL that year uh, in Tri-Cities. And I was 16, and I they gave me the starting role. And I was awful. Like, I just wasn't ready at all. Right. Um, and I so then they Tri-Cities cut me, obviously, because I was terrible. 
And then I went down to Merritt and um, obviously as the stats show, I was no better there. Right. <laughs> like, um, I, so, so I got cut from, so I went from the starting goalie in the WHL at 16 um, to ended up going back to actually Victoria my mom was living in Victoria at the time. So I got, I went WHL, got cut, went to the tier two, right? The, the junior A got cut from there um, to, I actually went back and I played a year of midget in, uh, in Victoria because I couldn't, I had nowhere else to go. I needed to, to play. And uh, we ended up having three goalies on this midget team in, in Victoria um, but as, and actually it was funny because as it was, I went down there and, you know, you kind of get your, your ass handed to you and you, you're, you're humbled quite a bit. You went from WHL to midget and, um, and, and, and so ended up going there, turned the team around. We, uh, I actually, we took the team to the provincial. We won, won everything, went to the provincials and then we get to, so not bragging, but they ended up riding me. I, I ended up playing really well and we got to the provincials and then we get to the provincials and our coach turns around and goes, okay, all everybody plays equal time now. Like we, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. I played the entire playoffs one had a great playoff. Then we get there and now everybody's going to get even ice time. And we just got shit kicked in provincials. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Weird year, but you know what? And, and it was funny. It was, it really was a career changing year for me. Um, the owner at the time of the Tri-City Americans uh, said that I was just dog shit. And I who, would, who was that at the time? It was, um, do you remember? I can see him. I, I actually, I actually used to drive with him when I was 15. Um, okay. Who's the coach? I can't remember his name, but yeah. But he actually came out in the press and said that I was just terrible and I would never play in the league. And I was, they, and they traded me to Victoria right away. Right. So they, oh, so they traded you to Victoria yeah. before you kind of went down to BC, to the BC JHL? No, they traded me during the year. I, I think I was in midget at the time. Oh, and they're gotcha, like, gotcha. But they just came out and they're like, this kid's terrible. He's never going to play in the league. Um, which I think, I think I've got some records that'll stand in that league for a while. So well, you know, no kidding. I, I, it somehow made it back. Yeah. That's wild though. I mean, cause there are, your story's not the only one like that. I mean, I remember Kevin Sawyer comes to mind, like cut from three different BC junior A teams, like ended up playing like only 18 games all year. I had no idea where he was going to go. Three years later, he's in the NHL, you know, like it's, it's so crazy, right? Because at the time, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, you, you're probably not feeling good about yourself. You think it's the end of the world. You know, like you said, oh, you yeah. tail, tails between your legs, you're coming home back to midget. And like, you probably didn't have aspirations at that point of being like, yeah, I'm going to be an NHL goalie one day. <laughs> no, but, but you know what? I think it's funny. I think a lot of what we go through um, and, 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 you know, you were talking about young kids watching this and listening and, I think a lot of what we go through as, as younger hockey players, it's, it's either going to make you or break it. Like it really is. And that's, mm-hmm. it's your choice. It's your decision of what, whether it does make you or break you, but uh, you know what? It, it adds to the the fun stories down the road when you get old and fat, right? Like that's, that's what we get to talk about, but it, but it is funny when you, uh, when you look at it and you were 16 and I, I, I could have hung it up. 
right? And and I see a lot of these young kids now, and they the adversity uh, sometimes it breaks them, you know. And I, I think that shows uh, a lot about. I think it makes you a better player down the road for sure. sure. What do you think kept you going? Like, was it? One thing that comes to mind whenever I think of you, Passy, a smile comes to my face because you're you're fun. You know, I, I classify you as fun. You're a good guy to be around. You know, I mean, you, you get people laughing. You had a good sense of humor, um, and you always had fun on the ice. You I mean not only when we played against each other, and you were competitive as hell. Like, let's be honest. I mean, you were a fierce competitor, but you you had a way to to enjoy that competition that made it fun. Even you know, for someone like me who was trying to score on you, and then when we were playing together in, in Mannheim, you I mean you made practice fun. Like, do you think like was fun kind of an always an element for you that you just loved the game so much that you were, you know, you were going to persevere through something like that? I, I love playing. Like, I just love it. It's um, it's, and I love being on the ice. It's to me, um, you know, and like you said, I was competitive, um, like super competitive, but, uh, but I, to me, I always played the game between the whistles and then when the game wasn't on, I'd check out the hottest chick in the stands or, you know, laugh and joke or sing to the song that's on it. That was my mental break, I guess, like my release. Um, but yeah, you know what? The game, the game's so fun and being around the guys is so much fun. Um, if you can, if you can find a way to turn on and off your competitiveness, um, I think it's really going to help, help guys. It helped me anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean that, that that's uh I wanted to get in, get into that and I mean we I guess we're into it. So let's go there. But you you I mentioned know. goalie is unique in the fact that there's a hell of a lot riding on you and your position more so than any other play, player on the ice. You know, like let, anyone who's been around the game understands that me as a right winger can have an off game and we still have a really good chance of winning that game probably because there's 19 other guys in the ice. I mean, you, Steve Hasmer has an off game as, as the goalie and, and that really changes the odds quite substantially, which means uh, that there's a hell of a lot riding mentally. I mean, there's, a, there's more of a mental side to that. I think that's more so that than for other players, because there is the pressure and there is the requirement of being focused and being ready. Do you, how do you think that you, you fell into that idea of figuring out that you were a guy that, worked well with not being as focused, you know, between whistles or maybe between periods or whatever the case may be. Like, was that a, did you have to figure that out or was that just always kind of the way you knew you operated best? No, it, it, it's funny. And I think all of us as, as pro hockey players, you had to figure out how you performed at your best. Right. Um, and not everybody's the same. I was always considered the, the not non-typical goalie because you know, like some goalies, you didn't talk to them day of the game because goalies are retarded, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just weird. Um, and I was the the quote unquote normal goalie because I didn't go into a cocoon. I didn't, you know, you I, I laughed, joked, had a fun time. Um, and that's what, how I found I performed the best. Some some guys decided that, you know, they could you couldn't talk to them because they were so focused. Maybe my brain, I couldn't be focused for three hours straight. Like it just it just didn't work for me. So I, I focused when the puck was dropped. And then I found for me, I needed, you know, I needed a break and and I needed to look at the stands. I needed to find out what was going on, see who was around. And then I could focus again once the, the puck was dropped. And like I said, I think I I, I tried being ultra focused. I tried being the the guy that, you know, didn't talk to anybody and 
it just didn't fit my personality. So I just went back to uh, having fun. Yeah, I hear you. I, I can relate to that too. Cause I was, I felt that the, the more serious I tried to be, I mean, yeah, the less, the less effective I was, the, the less authentic I kind of was with the game because it became less, it really became less fun, you know, like the, you know, me chirping you or you chirping me after, you know, I scored or you would stop me or whatever, or you were in the crease and you're giving me like that to me was, was fun. Right. I mean, and, and there was an element that, um, that there, there was, there was a seriousness to it, but there was also, you know, a, a unique element of like, yeah, we're, we're enjoying this, you know, I mean, on different ends of the spectrum. And, and that's, and that's what I think, uh, for players just listening, right. Is like, there's like when you're in that dressing room, right? How many different styles and personalities are there, right? And that's one of the beautiful things about that room is when you find that dressing room where that's actually allowed and encouraged, um, it's kind of a special place to be because everyone has their own way of going about it and, and you have your own way to kind of shine within that space, which is pretty unique. Yeah, and you you learn you learn the guys you don't talk to, right? Like yeah. it, in that dressing room, it's it it's it is it's a microcosm all shrunk down, right? So you learn the guys that you don't talk to, and you you know, you don't bug Bob over there because well, that's the way he gets ready for a game. But yeah. but you know, Pods and I will go and shoot the shit and joke around. And that's how we get ready for the game. And it's there's uh, it, it really is fun to see whose personalities uh, are in that dressing room. And, you know, and, and like I said, you you mash up some people, some people that that, that you, you want to go and you can see this group over here going, OK, we can we can be serious on the ice, but we can't be that serious in the dressing room. Yeah. Did you and find some coaches love it and some coaches it drives them insane? That's funny because I was just going to say there because that's what I said about like having being in an environment where, where it's encouraged or allowed. Uh, it, it wasn't always the case, right? Because there there could have been like who, we don't need to name names, but like well, I can Brian Maxwell, for instance. <laughs> like Brian Maxwell, he was a great coach, very respected coach, taught me a ton. But he had a very old school mentality about how every single person was supposed to get ready for a game. And that was with this very like a burr up your ass, he'd call it. And you're serious. And if you walked in and somebody was smiling or before a game, like it was actually like massively frowned upon. Well, um, I had Sutter. What's so that? I had Brian Sutter, <clears throat> Brian oh, Sutter okay. in, in Chicago. Right. And he walked around with just like that, that who farted look <laughs> all the time. Right. Right. And just angry. And and would walk around the dressing room and he's got this furrowed and and, and he expected everybody else to be the same way because that when he played that was his that was his I, I'm getting ready for a game right I got to be angry I got to hate everybody uh, kill the other guy kind of mentality um, and he expected everybody to be the same way he and I did not get along because of that because um, I'd laugh and joke and I like to have fun and. It's like, oh shit, okay, we're going on the ice. Cool. Let's try and do something fun out there. Yeah. And and he just couldn't deal with that. So he and I really didn't get along. So you were comfortable enough in that scenario because I mean, I have talked about that, like the relationships and like they do matter, you know, like what how that coach feels about you, you know, matters. Um, were, were you yeah. yeah, were you comfortable enough just to kind of stay the way you were? Or did you find yourself trying to change a little bit, or at least in his presence to to you know succumb to what he thought you were supposed to be i couldn't do it um because when i tried to be serious i was terrible on the ice so 
what do you want? Do you want me serious in the room and shitty on the ice or do you want me having fun and, pl- and being better? And I don't think he, I, I mean, I was the backup goalie. Um, you know, every three weeks you get a little tap on the ass and that says, boy, you better go out there and be good for one game because yeah. you're not going to see the ice again. And I actually went into his office. Um, I remember the one year we're playing and we're like eight games in, I still haven't seen the ice yet. And, uh, so I went into him and I'm like, Hey, so what am I doing wrong? Like what, I, how do I, how do I earn a start? And he's like, Oh, pass. I love you. You're doing great. You know, like keep working hard in practice. I'm like, okay, am I not working hard enough in practice? Cause I don't know if you noticed, but it's been eight games and I haven't seen the ice yet. He's yeah. like, no, you just, just work hard in practice. I'm like, well, I'm the first one on the ice. I'm the last one off the ice. You know, uh, I'm like, how can I earn a start? Don't give me one but I want to earn it. And he's like, no, no, no. So it was kind of funny because on one hand, he said that he liked me. And then on the other hand, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he did or didn't, but uh, we definitely didn't see eye to eye for sure. And I didn't, and I didn't change the way I was in the dressing room. And I would never do that because I tried do, doing the serious thing and it just, it, it wasn't my personality. Right. As, as a starter, as a starter compared to being a backup and especially in the biggest league in the world, the NHL, you know, is, well, there is a different, I mean, it's a massively different role, right? The expectation level is different. What your, what your job is, you know I mean? Of course you want to get the starts, like you said, on a personal level and kind of sure you think you can help the team and everything else you want to be in the pipes. But did, did you, did you have like a conscious decision of, yeah, well, I am in this support role. Like I do want whoever it is, Tebow or whoever was in front of you to play well and, 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 and to make, make that life as good as you can and also be there for your other teammates. Do you know what I mean? Like it was you, did you start thinking that as a support backup guy or were you trying to get that number one job yourself or a little you're trying, you, Your job as a backup is tell jokes and play cards. Like that's, that's your that's your rule, but but it's it, it's a it's an important rule. Don't get me wrong. Like I, but but as a backup goalie, you're there to make sure that you know you're the guy that everybody gets to shoot high on in practice, um, right? Like everybody gets to buzz the tower every time. That's your your collarbones and your head are the main target, right? <laughs> but that's your job. Like your job is to make sure that when you get the tap and you get to go in, you're ready. But other than that, I mean, it's stay late after practice. Uh, make sure you know you're playing playing two pass with all the 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 other black aces and the and the assistant coaches. Yeah. Um, make sure you're the light guy in the room and make sure everybody's having fun. And it's it's definitely a different role uh, yeah. when you're starting. You know, when you're starting, you go out, you take as many shots as you want or as few shots. For me, it was as few shots as I want. Um, I started in the minors, obviously, more than in the show. But literally, I used to go, when I was starting in the minors, I'd go up to the coach. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be on for about 20 minutes today. Um, I'm going to take two drills and see you later. I'm out. Right? Whereas in in the show, when you're in the backup, you're like, okay, I'll be on for about two hours today. Um, Right? I'll take about 450 shots um, and I'll go ice down after. Yeah. Just very yeah. different rule. Um, yeah. And we don't have a choice. As a, I mean, as a backup, you have to do it else you're not going to be there. I mean, like one, right? You mean like that's 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 definitely the spot you're filling. And then 
too, I, I like the fact of your like I, I going back and thinking about the goalies that I played with that were like in the backup role, they were all great guys. But but you have to, that's your job. That's what I mean, though. I mean, it's yeah. no mistake, right? Because if you're not a great guy, why are you there? You know, like, like that's my thing is like, like the Glenn Healy, you know, I mean, yourself. Um, oh, geez. Well, you, you and you and Crystal Ball, you guys weren't bad. I mean, at, you're at different stages of your career, but like really good guys like there's and I think that's like a prerequisite. The longer you wanted to stay uh, around, I mean, if you were a jerk, I mean, you just somebody else can fill that role you know right but but i think i i think that comes down to a couple things though you've got to you you have to know your role on a team like on a team and whether it's first line fourth line uh fifth line like like know your role and do well at it um and if you don't accept if you're a backup goalie and you don't know you're a backup goalie um you're not going to do your role well Right. right. Like if you're, if you got the stink guy and you're pissy that you think you should be getting more starts or just know your role. Yeah. Right. If you're a fourth liner and your job is to kill minutes on the clock and give the first line a, a rest, but don't get scored on, like that's your role. Do it, have pride in it. Um, you're, you're as important as that first liner on the team. Like as a team, you can't build a team of all first liners that want the the puck all the time and they want to be on the ice all the time. It just doesn't work. Edmonton tried it, right? Yeah. It didn't work, yeah. right? Like 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 that's the way I the the mentality of the hockey team is it's it's building a puzzle, right? And and if you're the backup, know you're the backup and just be good at that role. Yeah, you might get a few more starts, uh, but you you're a backup. Let's be sure. honest. And how do you balance that now between having higher aspirations and wanting yeah, and wanting more? Because there's nothing wrong with wanting more and trying to be trying to be something else um, while you're doing that one role well. I mean, I know as as players have a lot of hard time doing that too, because you could be in that third, fourth line role and, and think you really are a PP guy, right? So I, I mean, I, I never tell anyone that I work with not to aspire to do that. Um, but you do have to own what you're doing at the time or else you're going to lose that job in a hurry. You know what? hundred percent. And there's nothing wrong with wanting more and, but let your play do it. Don't, don't let your attitude do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think that's the thing if in, in a lot so I was in, um, we'll go back to war stories. Like I was in LA um, and I got hot. Like I was the backup in LA, no question about it, but I got hot for a bit. And uh, my, my longest ever streak, I started six games in a row. Um, but, you know, what was funny is my partner, who obviously I'd taken over his role for a little yeah. bit, right, would sit there in the dressing room and bitch to me how he was getting fucked over by management because they weren't playing him. And I'm kind of, <laughs> right, and I'm sitting there going, Dude, you're kind of complaining to the wrong guy. Like, I'm I'm the guy playing. I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> anybody else in the dressing room, but probably not me. Right. Right. It, but but that so that's the example though of he was a starter with a starter's mentality, um, but not a good guy. They couldn't 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 step aside and go. All right. Well, for right now, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm and then he couldn't switch into the backup role at the time. 
like yeah. wouldn't stay late, wouldn't, you know, still had the, the wrong mentality. So sometimes on a team, your, your role is going to shift. But I, I, I think what makes a good teammate is shifting into that role graciously. Yeah. I've had a, I've had some conversations with some other goalies and it sounds like, like whether, whatever, whatever side they were on of that coin, you know, whether it's the starter or the backup, or even if it was in like a 50, 50 split situation, like everyone seemed to do better when there was somebody that you wanted to go to war with, you know, like that you wanted you generally like the guy that you were playing with as a partner, genuinely wanted him to do well, you know, and you felt the same thing when you had the pipes. Did you, can you speak to that as well? Is that, is that, well, it's like you mentioned Tebow. So I, I was Tebow's backup for five years, but legitimately when I went and played, he wanted me to win. He wanted me to do well. He, you know, when I got another start, there was nobody more excited than him when I got another start. Doesn't mean that he didn't want to be in the net, but he was legitimately, we were friends. He legitimately wanted me to do well and succeed. Um, and I did the same for him. Right. So I think there's um, I, I do think that's good. That's a you know, you want your partner to do well, um, whether that means I don't start for another week. OK, well, you know, kick some ass while you're in there. But but it was always good that we could pick each other up. Right. So that 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 is a big thing. And I've played with guys that uh, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, and I can name names and of guys that we just didn't get along. Whether it was, and it wasn't a competitive thing. It was just because uh, obviously in different in different leagues, and you know this, um, you've got different rules. When you were in the minors, you were a big deal, right? When I was in the minors, I was the starter, and I, you know, when I went up to the show, you have to adapt. When we were in junior, um, we were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you but you have to adapt your mentality. You have to adapt your role. You have to adapt your personality, not not your personality, but your your the, the, your approach, let's yeah. say. Right. Because you and I both know when, you know, like you go from a, a first line guy in junior who's just pure offense. You're, you're a goal scorer. Well, then you go to the minors and you're like, oh, shit, there's a whole lot of us like that. Right, because mm-hmm. you take the top two, two lines, let's say from junior, and you move them up, and and they move up to the A, and then oh, then you whittle that down. Now, now when you know when when Pods goes to to the show, he's you were what third, fourth line, yeah, right, and and you so you have to adjust. And I think that's I think the good players adjust. Um, I I played with some guys that really weren't a big deal uh in junior but they found a role and they played that role to a t and 11 years later they're still in the nhl and there's guys looking at him going how is he there he wasn't that good but he found that role and he played it well yeah no 100 percent. yeah i mean we I, that that topic has come up more than once on this podcast with different guys and i remember specifically scotty nickel speaking to it that's um, the exact guy I was thinking of. Oh, isn't that interesting? Because he's like, I was saying, you I mean, growing up as a, as a young minor hockey league player and you're, you're having all these aspirations and watching the NHL and all these guys, like I, the NHL to me was where the best players in the world played. Like all the best players were in the NHL, you know, and 
and that is true to an extent, but it's but it's not true as you just said. Like whatever you I mean, we all have a different idea of what the best hockey player in the world is. To so for me, it was like you know a skilled guy that could skate, that could score, that was like a talented player, right? Like that was the best player. But it's pieces to a puzzle, as you say. You know, I mean, and and that player doesn't fit well on a third fourth line job in the NHL, right? If if he maybe there's some choices, maybe that player has to make. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. But right, that that's where this other guy comes in now from junior. That you're like, what? That guy wasn't that good of a player, but he'll go up and down the wall and get the puck out every single time, and he'll run somebody over in the forecheck and get off the ice after 35 seconds, and he'll do that for 10 years, right? And like he finds it's his so, spot. It's so funny you say Scotty Nickel because when I think of a guy that that just that make that that chiseled himself out a career and a good career. Don't get like I don't I don't mean that with any disrespect to Scotty. He he was a teammate. Um, I thought he made uh, he made chicken soup out of chicken shit, right? <laughs> like like he really did. He yeah. he found out his role was to kill penalties, um, win a few faceoffs, uh, kill time, and like you said, never Game be a minor. Yeah, be an right. agitator. Yeah, he, like he he threw his body around with reckless abandon. Yeah. Um, he never. I don't think he he would lose a battle ever on the wall or for the puck. But if it was the last two feet before that blue line, it was going to get out. Yeah. Like that was just a given. It, it it would get out. And and I think that was a guy that turned that literally eked out a career. Um, and I applaud a, a guy like that that. Uh, wasn't going to be flashy, but you know what? Next year, he was still on the roster. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a guy, too. Uh, you know, he he almost had – I think he did have 100 points in junior. I mean, 100 points in junior, I think he had. You know, he said – he realized, you know, going up to the AHL even, that he realized that he wasn't going to be that guy. You know, no. there's too many of those other guys. So then he found himself in this role. And then and then to be there for however long he was, seven years in the minors, essentially, without without really a sniff of anything. And then all of a sudden he makes the flames. He never comes back. Like six, seven hundred games in the NHL he had. Like absolutely awesome. And and he just said, yeah, he owned it. He owned what he was. He helped young guys, too, like because he was an older guy. So he helped those young guys out. He was a good guy. Um, very similar to what I was talking about but with being a backup goalie, right? Like you're you're that fourth line guy now in, in the NHL and you're 30 years old. If you're not a good guy to the younger guys, if you're not a you're good not guy bad. in the room, you're gone instantly, right? Like, of course you have to do some good things on the ice because it's a results-based league, but that's where your personality comes in and how you're how you are or aren't with other guys in that environment matters a big time. And yeah, you know, I mean, that's the best thing about Scotty. I mean, I just think he's just such an amazing dude, right? He's always just been a great guy. Um, and which is why he's still around and doing what he's doing. I mean, it's fun to be around. He cares about people and, and he competes. But if you look at, if you, uh, so what a lot of people that don't uh, come to a team or not have never played or never been in that dressing room, there's certain guys and don't kid yourself. They kept a job because they were a good guy in the room. They were a good teammate. Like you said, help the young guys uh, do this or that. I, I think in all honesty, I probably kept a job longer than I should have um, talent wise, because that was my role. I knew my role. I knew, like I said, tell jokes, play cards. That's, that's your role on the team. Uh, every now and then throw the pads on, but <laughs> You know, I, I, legit. There's pieces to a puzzle, and I and I think a lot of people that don't um, that have never played don't quite understand that the, that fourth line guy 
that constantly, you know, shoe checks you and right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how many fourth line guys do you know that there could be anybody that could fill that role, but they keep them around for a reason. I'm out here from the podcast to remind you and thank you. Please review, subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. Do it, do it, do it. I dare you. Uh, it totally helps. I appreciate everything that you're doing. I appreciate those of you who are listening. I appreciate um, those who are choosing to spend time with me and my guests uh, because you're finding value in the podcast. And if you are finding value in the podcast, that means that others would probably find value in the podcast. Oh, if you do your part, uh, we can blow this thing up. That's all I got for you today. We'll bring you back to the episode. Thanks again. Exactly. hundred percent. It's the, it's that people, it's the people side of it. That's beyond the skill set of, of the athlete. I mean, your skills are going to get you there and everything else, but I mean, it's, it is your people skills that keep you there. I, I think, I think that's a big thing and, and helps and helps you stay. Um, when I want to pull it back a little bit to goalie again, because <laughs> One, I have a goalie in the house, and I've now coached younger sure, and 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 I've seen, I've seen it happen even at the pro level, and it's the comparison game, you know, and it's and it's that game of at the youth level for sure is like what is my what is the other goalie doing when you're spending spending time and and comparing yourself just in that bubble, right? Well, they didn't do well, so that means I'm better type at, at, attitude, you know what I mean? Like or. Maybe not that way, but you can you can you can talk about that however you want to, right? But like really comparing yourself to to that 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 goalie in practice, right? Like their level of work ethic means if you outwork them by this much, right? Even though they were the latest person on the ice, that you're a hard worker type deal. You know, like how do you how do you frame? Like did you ever get caught in that, or how did you deal with that on an an internal basis of like having that other goaltender there that does want the net, that is want to stop pucks, that is at practice that you're seeing on a daily basis. Um, how do you deal with the comparison side of that? Um, I, I think that's actually, that's almost a dangerous game to play, right? Because, it, because, again, as we've talked about through the whole show is everybody's themselves, right? Like everybody does, excels uh, different ways and everything like that. So I think it's actually, it, it almost becomes dangerous. It's like you comparing yourself to another winger, but you got a different skill set. Right. It, it, it just, it, you gotta be careful. You gotta, you gotta drive yourself um, to be the best you can and not always not, not necessarily gauge it on, on the other guy. Like you said, if, if I don't work the laziest guy on the ice, well, am I the hard worker? Nah, I'm just second laziest. Right. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that is, that's almost a dangerous thing to, to start doing, uh, especially at a young age. Um, because like you said, if, if the other, you know, if, if every other winger is, is, is a, like every other left winger is a slug and I'm just the best left winger, but I'm not getting any better because, well, those guys were the shits anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You can get right? comfortable. And it's that growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Like we're, where I've really dug into that more in, in recent years and not as much when I was playing, unfortunately, but just the idea that like somebody else's success doesn't diminish you and vice versa. Somebody else's failure doesn't make you any better, right? Like, like you said, that's where I think that danger can step in because you don't want to wish, like you said, Tebow, I'm sure you, you don't want to wish him to have a bad night just so you can get the net. 
you want to earn your way into that spot, right? And like having that having that mental shift, I, I think is important because it's a it's a healthier spot to live in when you're competing against yourself and you know and still wishing and celebrating other people's successes. Yeah, and it's and it's one thing you know the more you push yourself, um, it, it, you you shouldn't have other people having to be the reason you're pushing. Um, you know, try and push yourself. Uh, and, and again, because I think when you if you're using the other person as as a gauge, um, either you're not going to work as hard as you should, or you're going to find yourself actually hoping the other the other person has to fail for you to succeed, and that that's never that that's not going to do you any good in the long run. Right. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Let's go back to uh, Vic. So we yeah, talked about right. you. You. Yeah. You starting and try. Uh, getting cut from merit, going on to the provincials at, at midget, which turned out to be a great year for you and kind of a defining year, right? Where you had to go through this adversity and uh, spoke about that many times in the show, how, how that does define us. You, you, you categorize as make or break you and, and you decided to have it make you. And you end up, if you find yourself back in, in Victoria and the rookie year, I, I want to talk about that second season because that's the one, you know, that's the one I'm sure you've been asked about before, but for a goaltender to play 71 games out of 72, uh, 4,200 minutes, 2,500 <laughs> saves, um, is insane, right? Like, I mean, that, that, like you said, like, I don't think, I don't even know how that can be broken if it will ever be broken, especially in this day and age. I think that's one that'll, that'll stand forever. Like how, how did, like, was the backup that bad? Were you that good? Like, <laughs> well, how did that work? Um, uh, oh, Dave Hamilton was my backup. Um, poor guy. <laughs> right, like it was it so I I was having a good year for sure. Um, our team was terrible, like we were awful. The the puck got in our way. We were good at fighting. Um, the puck not so much. Um and I remember it was just I don't I don't know. I think I just kept starting and starting and starting, and then I remember we went to um we were in Spokane, actually. Uh, and it was right before it was in December. So the kid gets his first start in December, right? It was the one and only game I didn't play. So we, uh, and I mean, you, you played against us. You remember how bad we were. Um, I think we averaged about 50, I think it was 50 to 55 shots against a night. Uh, that was the average. And so we go to, we go to Spokane, um, and, and Dave Hamilton's going to get the start. This is his first start of the year. It's in December, which isn't fair either, right? <laughs> like, you imagine sitting there that long and then all of a sudden getting the tap on the ass going, all right, good luck. Right. So we go to Spokane after being on the bus for 12 hours. Um, this kid gets the start. We only give up 33 shots. I remember this. We only gave up 33 shots that night. We end up losing nine three. Ouch. And like 33 shots out, like for me, I'm like, that that'd be like a night off. Right. Right. Um, and so I remember the coach is just kind of comes back to me and he's like, kid's never gonna play again. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. So sure enough, we we ended up he got cut. We bring in this uh this other guy to back up. And the other guy never saw the saw the ice all year. He sat there and just was shooter tutor dummy in practice all 
all year for the rest of the year. All year. 71 games. 71 out of 72 games. That'll never be broken. I can honestly, you know, they say there's a lot of records. You can never say it won't be broken. That won't be broken. I'll guarantee that. I'll stamp that right now. Yeah. And I remember I went to the coach. We had about, I think we had about 10 games left in the season. And um, I went to him and I just said, hey, listen, I'm like, there's one thing I want to get out of this year. At least let me get the record. I have to play the rest of the 10 games. Uh, I'm like, let me take something positive out of this year. Let me get the record. Because the record was 70 at the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's surprising. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Because I like there were days I'd come to the rink. We, we'd get finished a game and the coach is like, I don't want to see you at the rink tomorrow. Like, just don't don't even show up. Don't come. Don't practice. You're playing all the games. So right. I don't even want to see you. That is wild. Yeah, I mean, to one to have a to have a coach that would do that, to have a backup that would you know not play, to for you not to get injured, you know, like for all those things to happen is like oh. I said, it, it won't happen again. So that's seventy one games, and that must have been like were you just in a in a in a groove, like you know, like how did how did you how did your body and mind handle that much that much hockey? Well, I mean, players do it, right? It shouldn't be. It, it you know I if I would have had the Iron Man that would have been cool, right? Yeah. Could you imagine all seventy two games, right? You like, have, right? You were physically fine that game that you didn't play. What's that? You were physically fine the game you never played, right? It was just a start. Yeah, it was the only game I sat on the bench. Right. And actually, it was funny because in the seventy in the seventy first game, um, which was the the record breaker, I ended up getting kicked out in the second period, um, because I took Tyson Nash's teeth out. So who, who was your teammate like the next year? The next year is my teammate, but I took his bottom row out that game. <laughs> what are you get so upset about, Passy? What's that? What were you so upset about? <laughs> hey, I got the record. I'm out. I'm done. See you guys. I think Nash would be the first one to say, I'm surprised you never hit my nose. Oh, yeah, right? How do you miss that target? <laughs> I want. To, I have him on my list too. I want to interview uh, Nasher. He'd be. A, he'd be a fun. Fun. Well, guest. he's a beaut. Yeah, for sure. He's a beaut. But he's how he got a TV job. We have no idea. He's got a face for radio for yeah, sure. There we go. We got to chat him about that. So yeah. So okay. So you play on one. I, I mean, I don't even know what the record was that year. You guys weren't good, like you said. You end up and then you end up going. You're in Victoria oh, again. That year, I think I was fifteen, fifty-five, and one. Crazy. I'm not kidding you. I think. I think if you DB it. I think I was 15, 55, and one. And that year, too, though, was your draft year, which was yeah. interesting, right? Because, again, you mean 15 wins and 55 losses doesn't necessarily look good on the back of a hockey card, nor does really your you know your goals against average was almost five, right? I mean, aren't great numbers, but, boy, every scout in the world got a chance to look at you. <laughs> you know what? And, and it's funny because I, I did. I got scouted. I had a lot of scouts that year watching and you know what, when you're, when your stats are that bad, but you're the first star majority of the nights. Right. And our yeah. team, our team was terrible, but it, but I was one of the, I was always one of the top three stars of the night. Um, even though you got your ass handed to you, right? right. Whether you won or you lost, it's like, okay, well he put up with it. Yeah. Who can we give it to on Victoria? Oh, goalie. <laughs> give it to the goalie. <laughs> you got well, It was. It, you know what's funny? Because we went, so we went on our Eastern swing that year. Um, 
which you know was always a grind. Uh, so we played nine games in 11 nights. I lost 12 pounds on that trip. Um, so I, I ended the year at 153 pounds. Oh my gosh. Right. I remember what we were in, we were in Regina. We gave up 32 shots in the second period. Second period. Like that's a game. Yeah. That's hard to do. Right. So, so, you know, the scouts, I think at the end, were just looking at me going, okay, well the guy, I, we had the, the, uh, the, uh, tryouts. Remember Christmas? Christmas was for the World Juniors, right? Yeah. And I'd gone that summer and done the summer camp in where was that Windsor? I can't remember where it was. Well, I don't remember either. I don't think I. It wasn't. I don't remember going to that. Oh, I did go to it. Where the heck was it? Yeah, it was out east somewhere though. It was out east somewhere because I yeah. went to the summer camp and it was the the top two goalies there were me and Manny Legacy. Um, and then I went back to junior and obviously was having the year I was having, but we were just losing. And I remember one of the, the hockey Canada guys came up to me and he's like, so we're not inviting you in like for the winter camp at Christmas. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, he's like, you were the top two goalies in summer. And he goes, but we can't justify, he goes, he goes from a media standpoint, we can't look at your stats. He's like, we can't justify that. Right. And so that I was crushed. I, yeah. I was actually really pissed off because I'm like, I'm standing on my head. I'm having an incredible year. I know my stats don't look that good, but I'm, you know, come watch me play. And I'm yeah. putting on a show every night. Yeah. And and literally the, the guy from Team Canada said, he's like, we can't, he's like, there is no way we can justify those stats to you showing up to camp. I was like, oh, shit, that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. That's too bad. Right? And, and, bad. And, and, but I get it. Could you imagine? Well, with a four goals against average, yeah, let's bring this guy to camp. Right. I know, we, I know all those guys with those two goals against averages, we left we left at, at, at home, but let's bring him. Yeah, no, I know. It's tough for them, tough for you. I mean, as a player, obviously, you're just doing what you can and, uh, and doing your best every night, and all you want is an opportunity. And that is such a big tournament to play in, you know, to have a chance to to represent. I mean, that's the holy grail when you're that age, right? It's it's the coolest thing to be able to do. Um, I, think I, I think I had 95 penalty minutes that year too. Yeah, well, yeah, you were you were uh, you were feisty, that's for sure. But uh, you know, you played 71 games. Yeah, that's not even that's only a minor here and there. You know, that's not that's not. I think I had five fighting majors that year though. <laughs> good for you you needed a rest you need a break right <laughs> hey what happens for a goalie with a fight did you did you don't go to the box what do you do no actually so funny story so one of my one of my nhl fights actually uh fought uh Kluche, and same thing he was having a bad game they were down three one and there was a little scrum in the corner and he looks at me and gives me the shake and i'm like sure why not Right. Yeah. So we went met at center ice and fought and there was no other fight. So literally you pick your gloves back up. He got taught though. Cause he gave me a, he gave me a dirty shot at, after the refs came in. Yeah. So he got 10 in a game and the ref starts taking me to the bench and he's like, you're out. And I'm like, nah, I'm going back in net. So literally you just put your gloves back on and go back in net. <laughs> then someone has to serve your five minute major. Oh Yeah. 
they should stick you guys in the box. That'd be hilarious. I'd love to see that all your gear on. Funny though, hey. Yeah, that'd be funny. Can you imagine coming out though and having those pillows <laughs> skating out? <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so let's go. So then let's fast forward because we technically we haven't even touched your pro career yet, although we've talked about a ton of stuff uh, pertaining to it. But going from Victoria, like where you're getting bombarded, to going to like to a perennial powerhouse in in with the Blazers and the star-studded lineup that they had every year must have <laughs> been just a massive culture shock, really. Like, or or was it? I I, I don't know. Like, I couldn't imagine going to different ends of the spectrum there in the same season. What was that like, changing from Victoria to Kamloops? It was like getting paroled. Like, it, it, legit. It, it was funny because I came to, to Kamloops, and um, I remember my, my first game, I came up here, uh, drove up from Victoria, and we played Prince Albert my first game. And we ended up winning 2-1. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you had such a good game. I'm like, we had 21 shots. Like, that was it. We won 2-1. We had 21 shots. It was – every night was like a night off. It was it was, it was was so different. But then the, the mentality, like you said, you go from, you know, from basically – bottom right from the basement to the penthouse. Yeah. And uh, it was just the, the attitude in the dressing room was so incredible. It was just every game you're just like, well, we're going to win. I don't know how we're going to do it, but you like, like you just knew you were going to win every single night. You just went out and your, your mentality and your, your mindset was just, yeah, we're going to win. I don't, I don't know if we're going to pull it out in the third period, if we're going to blow them out in the first, but we're going to win regardless. We just know well, you, you had the exact, I mean, like you said, you had 15 wins as a team, I think in Victoria or whatever it was. And then you had 15 losses in a season with Kamloops. Like the mentality, like one spot you're learning how to lose or accepting how to lose or however you want to do it. And the other spot, like, it's just, a, like you said, like the feel before the game is you're finding ways to win. You know, you're going to find a way to win instead of finding a way to lose. Like can I don't think anyone could would be able to speak to that with such definity as you, like from being able to see that from one year to the next, like what that, what that must've felt like. It was different. I went from, so when I was in Victoria, it would be trying to take little positives out of the game. Like, cause you knew you weren't going to win. Right. right. But, but, but you still had to take things out that made yourself feel good about your game. Right. So whether it's like, I'm going to be first star tonight or whether it's going to be, okay, uh, you know, this save or that save or, put, you know, maybe I'll try and keep them under five goals. Like that was like, – like there was – you'd try and take little positives out of each game. Whereas, like you said, in Kamloops, it was just – you're sitting in the dressing room. You're literally going to be like, okay, well, we're going to win. It's just that's a given. Let's see. I don't know how we're going to do it tonight. Maybe, you know, maybe Tucker will have two goals. Maybe, you know, but, but we'd have so much fun on the ice. Yeah. Um, my favorite defenseman ever, ever playing with is Scott Ferguson. Um, we had so much fun together and that was a guy that, that legitimately we could joke around and have fun on the ice. And that's why he's my favorite, uh, always will be. Um, so there used to be a scoring system in Kamloops. They used to rate you one to four on how your game was. So literally we'd be joking around on the ice and he'd make a breakout and make a play. And he'd literally turn around, he'd take his glove off and he's like, that's a four, (laughs) (laughs) you know, shit like that. It was, it was so loose. And I think that's where in Kamloops, I think I learned to, to really 
enjoy being loose and having fun in the game because it was just fun. I think we went, we went 33 home games without a loss. Yeah. That's, like that's, that's ridiculous. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. And I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that's what, like we, I mentioned Brian Maxwell already this episode, but like some of those, and there's, there's more than just him, but like winning was fun. Like it was meant to be fun and losing was meant to be miserable. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was, it was, you know, downloaded into you. Right. I mean, they would show up at practice and you said like that, who's farted uh, face, like that would be everywhere after a loss, after two losses or God forbid you lost three in a row. Right. Like it was so miserable and there'd be so many fights at practice and couldn't talk on the bus and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. Right. But if all of a sudden you ain't pop the champagne bottles, if you start winning, right. And everyone's allowed to have a good time and be loose. And so there was, it was definitely entrenched in, at least in, in Spokane and our organization there that, you know, winning was, was what you're supposed to do. And when you're doing what you're supposed to do, now you're allowed to enjoy the process and, and you better not be having any ounce of a good time when you're losing. Cause that's not why you're here. No, absolutely. And I think, um, I, I think juniors definitely, um, and I know this is, you know, sounds like old manish back in my day. Right. Yeah. But, but legit, it was, it was definitely a different time. Um, when you talk about like practice fights, I've never been on a team that had more practice fights than Kamloops. Like in Victoria, we had no practice fights. We didn't give a shit. Right. Like, like, like the, the competitiveness wasn't because we just lost. Yeah. Right. It's not, and it's not that the guys were bad guys. We, we were just outskilled every night. Like we were, yeah. we, we just didn't, we, it was a knife to a gunfight every night. Um, and it's not that the guys didn't care, but then you got to can loops and practice was so competitive. We had hawk, we had practice fights all the time. It's not that the guys didn't like each other. I've never been on a tighter team in my life, but you competed because like you said, you didn't want to lose anything you didn't want to lose a battle you didn't want to lose a drill i remember we used to like we'd have pp and pk practice we took so much pride as a pk shutting them down like we would chirp each other non-stop when you stopped them like it would you'd ice the puck and you just you wouldn't stop beaking at them right but that's what made us better like that's that competitive spirit in practice, it carried over into a game so that if you're not going to let your buddy beat you, you're definitely not going to let the opposition beat you. Yeah. No, I agree hundred percent. I think that there's a, and there's a healthy way to, to do that. Um, you know, and I think that the game is evolving a little bit w- within that, you know I mean? To have that competitiveness, but not have it be so black and white. Um, because again, I think it's hard. It, it's hard to play your best when everything is so stoic and serious and you're supposed to be miserable, you know, and now you're supposed to go out there and free flow and, and, and actually win a hockey game. You know I mean, like it doesn't, the, the two don't really add up. You I mean, I can understand that you're not supposed to celebrate a losing streak, but there's also a way where you can be your best player in a high performance environment that, that needs some level of, you know, latitude, a little bit of looseness, right. A little bit of freedom. Um, and I think the game has is starting to embrace that a little bit from the coaching side, which is nice to see. Well, I think so. I, but I think a lot of that comes from the creativity of the players. Now um, they're pulling shit off in games that, that you would have Maxi would have killed you. If you pulled off some of those moves in practice, never yeah. mind in a game that they're, they're trying them in a game and it's, it, you know, you would have got two handed in practice if you would have done that. And yeah. So, so I think they're embracing the creativity um, 
And these guys, don't kid yourself, these guys are way better than we ever were uh, back at our highest level. Um, the skill level of the players today is through the roof. Yeah. Well, yeah, like when it kind of makes sense. It makes sense because they're working on it all the time. I mean, from a from a young age, like to I remember I was just thinking that the other day, actually, because you know, my, my son, my sons are, you know, into into hockey and they like doing what they can do to get better, even though they're young, like they're still out there, you know, whatever, shooting pucks or they're running or they're doing these these, these different things. And and I worked, I mean, and I'm sure you could say the same. I worked my ass off in the summer, but it was always in the physical realm of the sport. <laughs> You know, yeah. it was like doing bench press or, or doing dry land or that type of stuff. Like I never shot a puck all summer. I wasn't doing toe drags in my on my plastic shooting tiles. You know what I mean? I wasn't working on hands. Like that was kind of like a thing where you kind of in our day you sort of had it or you didn't. I mean, I was a skill guy. I had good hands. I had soft mitts, and that was the way it was, right? And if you didn't, you didn't because no one was working on their toe drag or their backhand toe drag or the you know the Michigan or I mean none of that stuff was going on when we were playing. No, like you said, you'd do, you'd be going, running your lines. You'd be, uh, you know, doing, doing whatever you could physically. Um, but yeah, you never worked on the skill, on the skill aspect. And now, now it seems like that's all they work on is uh, the, the individual skills. Um, yeah. You know, and it shows you watch them on the ice, even, you know, you even watch warm up. Um, it, it, it's just, it's a new level. I can't, it, it's funny when I look uh, at them now, I'm like, I can't believe I played in that league because right. I wouldn't be able to now. There's no right. question. For yeah. one, there's a height. There's a height thing. I don't think you can be under six foot two and be a goalie now. So, you know what? I mean, yeah, I still want to talk about Camus and your Memorial Cup because that was a big time for you. But I do. Like, since you brought that up, you I mean you're five? What nine? Five, five ten? Nine. Five, five nine. nine? I wish I was five ten. Yeah. Like, did you identify? It was a different time. For sure. So, I mean, you weren't the smallest goalie of your era by any stretch of the imagination. There were there were a smaller guys. But did you did you identify as being an undersized goalie? Was that ever like a thing for you? Thinking I'm I'm small. I got to do this better than somebody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big thing was is I I couldn't play like the bigger guys did. Right. Like I couldn't just go down and hope to get hit because uh, you'd miss me every time. So, you know, I really had to work on my skating. Um, I had to be more ac acrobatic, I guess. Um, just, just because it, it, I couldn't, I couldn't make, you know, I watch these big guys now. They never come out of that blue paint. Like they don't have to, cause they're six foot eight. Right. right? Like it, but I could never, my whole thing, I could never be in that blue paint because you just weren't going to hit me. So I definitely had to be a better skater, had to be probably more, uh, I had to work more on my reflexes and my, my flexibility and my speed. Um, and I had to, and I worked on moving the puck. Uh, you know, I worked on my stick handling and my, my actual puck movement because I had to bring something to the table that other guys didn't have. You know, I mean, I wasn't going to, wasn't going to be in size. So, you, you know, you had to bring an attribute. And like you said, you know, Scotty Nickel learned how to kill penalties. I had to learn how to, to move the puck better than anybody else. Right. Do you, do you lament over that a little bit? Like meaning, cause I do watch these guys and they're so precise. Like their movements are so precise i don't know what i mean everything is it doesn't like there's like there's any wasted motion out there right like everything's with a purpose it's to a spot it's down in the butterfly but kick slide over got the rebound like 
it's robotic almost, right? And uh, the athleticism in the goalie position, I guess, is what I'm getting at, seems to be a little bit gone. You know what I mean? We're not seeing as much of the I mean, there's still some guys like Flurry likes to throw it, throw it, throw, uh, throw some athleticism in there. And there's some guys that can flare it up a little bit, but the bigger guys are really, really regimented. I find. Do you do you think that's missing a bit, or do you think that's just the way it is? Or are these guys maybe that athletic? Plus, they're big. I don't know, and they don't have to move around as much. Yeah, I think maybe maybe a bit of column A, column B. Yeah. Um, you know, but when you're six foot seven, how are you not getting hit? Like, that's what I look at. I sit there and go, okay, I was 5'9". I had to jump around in there and, you know, do cartwheels to get hit. These yeah. guys just, I'm like, how do you how do you let in anything? <laughs> it, right? Like, the, the gear's gotten better. The gear's ridiculous now, how light it is, how, um, like you said, when they go down now, their pads are just flat. Like, it, they just look like two-by-fours on the, on the ice, right? Like, nothing's getting through. Um but I think that's part of the reason why now that they do move the way they do is their their gear allows them to do it. Um, back when we played, our, our gear wasn't – it was making strides, but it wasn't quite where it is now. Sure. Um, and I think they're just – they're so big now. And they, and they are. I think they're athletes. They're probably better athletes than we were um, because the goalies were meant to be fat and out of shape. Um but so I think it is a bit of column A, column B, if that's the, the way the, the, the positions evolved. I mean, hockey's evolved, but but definitely the goaltending position has evolved too. But I think it's sad because like I, I, I talked to uh, more than one person in the sport and I, and I won't I won't name names in this scenario because it doesn't matter, but like specifically said that they're not even really allowed to scout a goalie that's not six foot two or higher. No. No, and it's it's like, not like how, how tall's how tall's Martin Bruder? Marty's he might be six. Right? You know what I mean? Like if I just look at that and I'm like, so he, th- this might be the best goaltender of all time is is six feet tall and, and you wouldn't be allowed to scout him now. Like I, I just don't know. Like I, I of course I understand that size is an advantage, but I don't think it can be the only deter- determining factor. You know, especially me with sitting here with a young goalie, like a small goalie potentially too. I just don't think that that's it just sort of sucks, right? If it's that, if it's really going that far that way, that you have to be big to be to be. But it, but it really is. But it really is going that far. Like if you look right now in the league, I think there's, I think there's one goalie that's six feet. Like other than that, you're looking at your average goalie now is six four. Yeah, it might be the biggest player in your team in a lot of scenarios. Like, could you imagine that that your goalie that that you were looking up at your goalie all the time? Yeah. It, no. it's ridiculous. Look how many guys are six five, six six, six seven, right? Yeah. That, that used to you used to beg for a defenseman that size. Yeah, I know. I hear you. There's one guy in Russia. I don't know if you still follow sports at all, but he's doing amazingly well, and they're thinking that he might be able to make the jump over. Um, I guess like kind of winning winning the 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 best goalie over there a few years in a row, and he's five ten. Um, so really. Yeah, a little bit outside the mold for this modern era. And I'm, I was actually really curious because I would like to see him come over and see. Because you know what? I do think it only takes one or two, you know, like to be able to compete and really perform well where it's like, you know, because it's a copycat league. Not saying that everyone's going to want a 5'10 goalie, 
But, you know, look at like what St. Louis did last year, right? Like big, strong, you know, everyone's tried to get a little bit big, stronger, right? Okay, that's what wins the cup. I mean, I think if you get a, a goalie in there that can perform at 5'10", it might open the door for a few other guys that uh, could have a chance. But he said right now it's like six foot plus and then some. And uh, the less you have to move, the easier it is for you. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and like you said, it is a bit of a copycat league where if one, one, you know, Goudreau comes in and all of a sudden Johnny Hockey is, uh, you know, at, at five foot fuck all or whatever he is. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we all get to go and get small guys. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. It opens the door for some of these guys. Um, but let's go. Okay. So, so Cam, so Cam Loop, so you, you get to go to the, the Memorial Cup, win the damn thing. Um, and you went from a scenario, uh, just walk me through that year. Cause you were splitting with Rod Branch pr- pretty much, uh, for most of the year. It looked like in, as far as regular season was concerned. And then you, you were given, given the reins and playoffs. Did you, did you kind of earn the reins and playoffs or did I, or am I getting this wrong? And you guys didn't really no, have I, that scenario. I, I got the reason Rod played so many games that year is I got injured twice. Oh, uh, okay. I ended up blowing my knee out, uh, twice that year. Um, so that's, you know, Rod Branch stepped in when I was hurt, um, did an incredible job, carried the team, um, and was really a big reason why we were uh, as successful as we were and we had the record we did. Um, and then I was healthy back when playoffs started and, and, and then just took over from there. And, and it's funny because I remember uh, we were in the Memorial Cup. We won... Uh, we'd won the first couple games and it was, it was a given that we were in the uh, finals. And I remember I went up to Don Hay and just to give you an idea of sort of the mentality. And I went up to Hazer and I'm like, Hey, I'm like, give Brancher a game. Like they, he, he's one of the reasons we got here. Right. Because he carried us when I was injured. I'm like, give him a game in, in the Memorial cup. Like, like he's earned it. And uh, Hazer's like, not a chance. He's like, he goes, we are not going to, he goes, I can't show the team that we're going to let down, let off the gas for a second. He goes, cause it's such a short, he'd been there before, right? I never had, I, yeah. and, and he's just like, he goes, if we show the team that we're letting off, he goes, we can't just turn it back on again. Interesting. Yeah. So we ended up winning that game five, nothing. Right. Well, good for you though to go to bat for him, and who knows what would. Have, that's the thing too, right? That turns out to be like looking like that was the right decision by Don Hay, but it, it might have been the right decision to start Branch too. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it would have been five nothing, and it you go back and that and you win, right? But it also might have, you know what? You never know. It might have lost us the goddamn tournament too. Yeah, yeah. Who knows, right? Exactly. I mean, right now it looks like it was it was totally correct. How was that? Uh, how was that? I mean, I saw you won the 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 uh, the playoff MVP there for the for the WHL. So obviously you were you were strutting your stuff there, uh, going in with a lot of confidence, I assume, into the Memorial Cup. But that's such a weird scenario because I mean we were we were a couple games away from going ourselves in Spokane, but I can imagine like stepping in there and playing somebody from the OHL or the Q. I mean, you've never seen these leagues or these teams before, heard of the players, but it, I, that's such a short tournament. I just think it's such a it'd be such an interesting thing to be a part of. Well, that's why I, that's why they say it's the hardest. It's the actual hardest trophy to win is I think because you battle through your own league and we all know how hard that is. And just to win that. And then all of a sudden you go there and you're like, all right. So if you lose, you're screwed. Right. right. Like it's, uh, you know, you got four round, you have four games. That's it. So it, it was neat playing against them. 
Um, it was, uh, it's definitely surreal, uh, but it, but it's not such a grind. And like I said, our team just, we knew we were going to win. Like it was, it, 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 it wasn't cocky. It was just, you just had that feeling like we're somehow going to pull this off. Yeah. And we did, you know, it, it, we went in there, we, we went undefeated for the tournament. Um, you know, even it, they scored, they scored kind of, they, they got close in the final game. Um, but, but again, no, nobody panicked. It was just like, Oh, we're going to win. So we'll figure it out. Was there anyone there outside of your team that like was impressive to you that, that, that you felt was, was, was pretty, was a pretty big deal? Well, it was funny because North Bay, uh, we were pissed off at North Bay because they ended up, uh, remember that, uh, what was it? The tip top rankings, mm-hmm. um, right. They, the top 10 tip top yeah. rankings or whatever. So you actually got a, everybody on the team. If you were ranked number one at the end of the year, got a hundred dollar, uh, gift card to, to tip top tailors. And, uh, they stole our ranking at the end of the year. They, we were actually number two and they were number one. So we were pissed off at them and, uh, we ended up, we beat them five, nothing, I think in the, in the only game we faced them, they right. were the favorites going in and we we're, we were basically with a little bit of a, a, a screw you attitude, and yeah, ended up shellacking them five nothing. That's sweet. That's sweet. <laughs> I uh, the tip I top Mark, yeah, tip top. We were actually number one the year that we almost went there. Like I said in CHL, we 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 were number one ranked team in CHL. We ended up losing to Brandon, who I think was like four in the WHL final or something. So we never got to the Memorial Cup, unfortunately. But uh, it, it's fun to watch those. I mean, when you're when you're a part of that, and of course, it's completely you know subjective and arbitrary, and who really knows, <laughs> right? But uh, but it's always nice to see your team up up there rolling around. Well, what I I want to ask you a couple questions about Camus because you had your your uh, your Memorial Cup team had had a future Hall, Hall of Famer and Jerome McGinley as a 16 year old who scored six a grand total of six goals as a 16 year old um, that that season. He played 48 games. I mean, obviously another maybe Hall of Famer in, in Shane Doan was there at 16. He had 24 that year. Uh, goals I'm talking about, you know, Darcy Tucker was on that team. You, you definitely had a lot of future NHLers and some like, you know, again, legacy type players. Did, did you see, uh, looking back now, did you see somebody like Jerome or Donor like going on to NHL careers like that? Yeah, you really did. They they were, you know, they came in at, at you know, Iggy came in at 16 and uh, we, we gave him a pretty hard time, but you just looked at him, you knew the kid was going to be pretty good. He was, he was going to turn out all right. I mean, if you look down our lineup, that was a pretty solid lineup. Uh, I think, a, you know, a lot of guys went on and, and had some pretty good careers, but I, I think, uh, I think one of the biggest things, it, it was just the culture. And, 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 you know, a lot of people say culture of a team and stuff, but, it, but it, it's legit. And, and I think when you go from where I went from Victoria and then you see the difference in the culture in Kamloops, you definitely see why organizations are successful um, and certain organizations aren't. And it's, it's, fr- it's built from the top down. And like you said, it's, um, you know, you were in Spokane that, that had a pretty good, you guys were pretty good there for quite a few years too. Um, and it's just a different feeling. It, it's just a different mindset and mentality 
uh, when you show up to the rink. It, it's just everything from the top down is different. Yeah. No, and it 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 totally matters. And I mean, it's that it's that whole elusive thing you said. Like culture is this. It's a big word that uh, that everyone's searching for. And if you can bottle it, I mean, you got something, you know, and it's uh, teams don't have it in the NHL, right? I mean, the best league in the world, there's lots of teams that don't have it and everyone's trying to find it, right? Like that, that's the crazy thing. But when you're in it and around it, um, it's a powerful thing because there are also I means. So there's guys in your team that were really good and turned out to be really good, but maybe that elevated them to a little different level. You know what I mean? Like that, that scenario. I think it did. I think it taught um, it, it taught the Shane Dones and the Jerome McGinley's how to be leaders. It, it taught them. Uh, I, I think if, if you talk to them, I think it was a big springboard uh, to their careers, and it taught them a lot of things that that carried them a long way. Like if you meet those two guys, they're just good people, right? Like they're just they're people you want to be around, you want to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think. I, I, I don't want to say that, that it taught them that, but I, but I think it probably laid a pretty good foundation for them when they were younger. Um, the, the, the older guys instilled uh, certain things in them that went on to, to help their career for sure. hundred percent. Well, I just think it's interesting too, because, you know, 16, he had, he had six goals, right? I mean, like, and even at his draft year, I mean, I had 36 at 16, right? You know what I mean? Like, does that mean that I was better than him then? Maybe, right? It, and obviously, it's not where you start; it's where you finish. But it's like people get really wrapped up too, like where they are in the moment. And it's and it's interesting to see like how somebody progresses because, uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to think about Jerome a little bit. One, he, I mean, I see him at the rink. Actually, he's local here in town, so I've I've had a chance to BS with him a little bit, and we we shared a gold medal at World Junior together. And he was like a peer of mine, right? So it's it's interesting to compare like the massive change. I mean, difference in careers, right? Like his versus mine and like where things change. But even with him, like he was 11th overall, which is nothing to shake a stick at, right? But like some people thought there was 10 better players than him when he was drafted. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like and he went on to an Art Ross and he went on to Maurice Richard and he almost took his team to the Stanley Cup final and like is a Hall of Famer now. So it's like, I really love like bearing witness to that evolution, right? Like that it's, that it's crazy, that it's not, it's a process. And I think that he somehow committed to this process of getting better, like really getting better, right? Like trying to improve, not just because it happened, but because he actually willed it to happen. And I think there's something to be said for that. Well, I think a lot of those guys, you know, 11th overall, that's no, because uh, I was 196th. Yeah, so. right. Right. I was I was drafted in a round that they don't have anymore. (laughs) But but, you know, you look at guys like that, and like you said, he he was constantly pushing himself. So it's it's funny, you know, we talked about it earlier where are you gauging yourself on other people? I think he was one of those players that always just pushed himself to be better than he was. Right? It wasn't about the other centermen or or this or that. He was just get a better himself mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. i don't know who, the, who who was first overall that year um geez again i mean that's the one that had terry ryan in it um that was the one that had damon lankow in it at four uh damon lankow, went four? damon lankow went four yep uh weimer was like set, uh no that was a different one would you take damon lankow or would you take uh iggy 
Well, there you go. I mean, and Damon had no had had a great NHL career, but yeah, I mean, he didn't win a scoring title. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. He didn't win a scoring title. Um, so yeah, no, I mean that was uh, that was just a really cool team. Like the, the, that 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 space and time for Kamloops was really part of the lore, right? That they still kind of carry now. I mean, it, it started before with the Rob Browns and the Hoggoods and the you know the Sajowskis, and then it came into that era of the Niedermeyer and. Um, you know Darcy Tucker and like the 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 winning, yeah, right, Sidor and um, I mean yourself is part of that storyline too. It was just a really impressive time where they were just producing NHLer after NHLer, and to uh, to go through it then is, is is pretty wild stuff. Which 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 brings an interesting question to me. So like, you know, Steve Passmore who ends up playing ninety games in the NHL, and we're, we're there for a lot more than that because you know of, of your of your role as being the backup to win that MVP award in the playoffs and to, you know, win a Memorial cup and to do these things. Um, like, do you feel that there was more for you out there? Like we could, you've taken a bigger bite of the apple or do you think that you kind of got what you could out of the lemon? That's uh, that's you. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You know what? I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was just watching and, you know, and I, I still find it funny that I actually did end up playing in the NHL um that was always the, the that was always the goal but the fact that it happened was uh I, I still sometimes look back and go did that really you know like so I, I don't I don't know I, I I'd love to say that I should have been a starter um and I could have gone on and I should have played a thousand games and I should have done this but I, I think I can actually look at it realistically um with at peace with my career and go yeah, you know what? I probably, I probably did milk the most I could have, you know, being a fat five foot nine kid. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I probably did get the most out of my career. I could have. Um, yeah. and I think I can sleep at night saying that, like, I, I think I, I, being a starter was always the, 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 you know, the dream and what I should have done, but I was a starter in the minors. Um, you know, I, I went to the Calder cup finals, um, yeah, I think, you know what, I, I think I probably talked my career out pretty much as, as much as I could have, I think. And that's a comfortable place to be in for sure. You know, and, um, then, I mean, regret does, shouldn't even exist really. You know I mean? Like it is what it is. And if, if there was well, something well, to just like, learn from it and apply it moving forward. But, but like you said, we're all competitive. Um, I, I, you know, if, if Jason Padolan can look himself in the mirror and go, yeah, I had a fucking hell of a career and be proud of it and not, not think, yeah, what if, what if, because I, I think in hockey and, and I think what a lot of people don't understand is a lot of, a lot of our careers and guys can bullshit you all they want. A lot of our careers is about timing, being in the right place at the right time. Um, and, and, and that means, you know, if, if Jason Padolan was in, in LA at a different time, or maybe if he was in Carolina instead of LA at that time, uh, yeah. when they needed they needed this winger to do that, you could have had ten years yeah. in the show and and never and never batted an eye because you were just in the right place at the right time. And I think a lot of people really downplay that. Um, but it, but I I think if we were honest with each other. I think it's true. Unfortunately, there are guys that went on and had a career because they were in the right place. All of a sudden, they've got a job in the NHL, and next thing you know, you're like, well, shit, the guy's been here 10 years. Might as well keep him. Right, yeah. 
Right. Yeah, no, you I mean you're right. We, we've had t- guys talk about that. I mean, just the environment that you're that you're even drafted in, right? Like, do they need do they need that defenseman? Do they have anyone there to fill that spot? And and if they don't, then they're going to allow you to make those mistakes as a 19, 20 year old, you know, again and again and again because you're going to be there. Whereas if you're in a team that you know they have four or five guys waiting in the wings, and you make that one spot, you might be down, right? So it doesn't mean that you're maybe not ready. You're just not ready right then for that team, and then maybe that other team doesn't come along. I mean, there is there is some there is definitely that aspect to it. There's there is a luck, there is an organizational aspect to it. Um, obviously, I try to promote, and I'm sure you do too, is the accountability to the player. You know, like what what could we have done, or what can you do in the moment, right, to best. Uh, you know, maximize your ability to take advantage of the opportunity or to create another opportunity, right? I mean, you want to you want to feel empowered. You don't want to feel disempowered by your scenario. But there is some times where you are disempowered. I mean, the truth of the matter is you're not in control of some of these things that, that go on or where you get drafted or who the coach is or, you know, who's ahead of you in the lineup or any of that stuff, right? I, I had a coach once tell me, he's like, don't ever try and figure out the hockey game out. Or he said, you'll be in a padded cell with a jacket on. He's like, don't try and figure it out. Don't ask. Don't keep looking at because so we played in the minors quite a bit. Let's let's you know call a spade a spade. And yeah. how many times? How many times did you look at the transaction sheet and so and so got called up? And you know the first reaction in the dressing room? Holy shit! Are you kidding me? He got called up like he's fucking terrible, yeah. right? And you got to admit, in the minors, that was a mindset that was was almost detrimental. And because you would sit, you would look at the transactions and go, who got called up? No way. He got called up. He's terrible. Oh, yeah. And Especially you're when you're playing well, too, man. Like, I can oh, relate to that. You I mean, that, that year I was leading the AHL in goals at 22 or whatever. It's like, and you'd see these guys and these other teams get called up and you're stuck out in Newfoundland on the rock going, like, when is my phone going to ring? Like, what's going on here? Like, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, again, like, what can you control? You can't control it. But it, but it's literally cancerous when you're in the minors and you're watching that transaction sheet and you're just going, like you said, you're, you know, you're out in the rock and you're, you're playing your ass off and you feel like you're a million miles from nowhere. Yeah. Right. You're, you know, we were stuck in Cape Breton and I remember getting pulled up a couple times, getting to the arena or getting to the airport and them going, <laughs> just kidding. Turn around, go back. What? Oh Yeah. <laughs> How did that? What do you mean? Just kidding. What does that mean? It means you're too far away. Like the, by the time they needed you, they're like, oh, yeah, shit, can't use you now. Or, you know, right. so-and-so thought he was hurt and now he's okay. Oh, that happened. I think that happened in Cape twice. And then in, it even happened in Hamilton. Right. You'd be literally on your way to the airport and they're like, yeah, just turn around, forget it. Just unpack your gear. Right. You know, like the emotional roller coasters we went through in the minors, I don't think people quite understand um, how tough that is to be that close to where you want to be. Yeah. And you're working your balls off to get there. And they keep dangling that carrot and then they pull it away and then they dangle the carrot again. And you're you're always right there. Well, and how about the difference? Like, the part that blew me away was like what, like legitimately what a phone call, like the impact a phone call can make because – Steve Passmore, the starting goalie in in Hamilton, is the exact same guy who's like the backup goalie in Chicago, yet you're all of a sudden worth a hell of a lot more. You're getting treated a hell of a lot differently. The schedules, you know, I mean, like it, your whole life is so much different with the phone call. And it's like, 
that's just so crazy to me, like how how that is, because it's two different, vastly two different worlds playing in the minors or playing in the NHL. It's not even close. No, and, and it's so funny, like you said, though, it's it's so funny how the different your role is, like like everything's different. Jason Padola in on the rock, who's leading the team and scoring. Well, when you go up, you're fourth liner and you better eat some minutes and you're going to get about five shifts. Yeah, uh, just don't get scored on. Right. Yeah. We're, not, we're not looking at you to produce. We don't care. We don't expect a point out of you. We don't expect shit. No, that was the best. I got to stop you there because then they would send you down and say, well, you didn't produce. So um, go back down there and get her done. And it's like, yeah, well, I got five shifts a game. Thanks. (laughs) And you stuck me with the two tough guys. (laughs) Right. And and, and you're wondering why we didn't light it up. Yeah. Right. That's funny. um, I think people forget about the minors and, and how tough it actually is to be in the minors. Yeah. And I think it's, they're, they're doing a good thing now with the league uh, as far as trying to get teams closer to the parent club, because like what you just talked about there, that happened all the time. And and you talk about opportunity, right? Like it might be that they're calling you up for that one game because so so and so has a bad in, uh, shoulder. But you I mean you could that could be your game. Like you don't know, right? That could be your two goal game. And now, you know what? You bought yourself in a week, you know, and now, but like every time you take away that one opportunity, whether it's a game or two, you I mean, that's the less chance to get to where you want to go. And, and I definitely felt that in the rock and actually Nathan Dempsey, my, my last guest, we were talking about that. We were not only were you isolated in the rock, um, <laughs> like for real, right? I mean, like there's no one there watching you ever, right? Like unless it was someone from Toronto, there's no scouts there. Um, and it was a hard place to get off of. So like, there was no like token call-ups let's come up and we'll get this guy a little look like it was, you know, that, that this didn't happen. So um, the, the fact that the teams are, are moving away from that and that the Marlies are now in Toronto, I mean, as, as great as, as Newfoundland was and, the, and how great it was like with the fans and everything else, like as far as becoming an NHL or I think it's, you know, it's better for those guys to be closer to the parent club. You feel more a part of it and it's easier access. But the easier access is a big thing. Like you said, like somebody goes down in pregame skate, Ah, let's get pods a call and you know let's yeah. let's have him dress tonight. And like you said, you you never know when your break is. Um, yeah. and, and you know you, you get lucky. Somebody else goes down. Somebody loses a skate. Whatever, and and you never know. But if but if you're on the rock or like we were in the Cape, it it, it it's an actual process to get called up, and it's a it's a two day trip. Yeah, right? <laughs> this is planned out. Oh yeah, yeah. We actually, I don't know if you remember, I, w- I was going through and because my first, uh, my rookie year there was the year you guys went to uh, the finals in-, in Hamilton. So I was, I got traded to Toronto that year. I ended up playing on four different teams that year, which I know you can relate to because I got <laughs> I got sent down from Toronto for playoffs with, with the baby Leafs. So, and I didn't know any of those guys there. And I mean, we essentially just started playoffs, right? So we beat, uh, I can't remember who we won. We beat somebody in 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 that first five best of five series. And then we played you in the uh, in the second round, and we lost in game seven. Uh, we lost overtime in game six, and then we lost in game seven. You guys went went on to go all the way. Uh, do you remember anything about that series? I mean, that was your run, and like I, I I'm completely a blank slate on it because I think I was just in a blur. Like that whole year for me was kind of a blur. Uh, was was do you remember anything from that series, like that overtime game or or, or any of that? Well, I do actually because uh, it it was funny that year we ended up. That was the year I I was actually injured. They were, tr- were trying to figure out what was wrong with my muscles and shit like that. Um, so I came back. We made the we made the playoffs by two points that year. Right. Um, like we had to win the last game, 
and we made the playoffs by two points. And we went to we went to game seven uh, every every round. Like we went to the final game every round. And I remember we were there because who was I shooting the shit with? Might have been even Demper. He was he would have been there. And um, yeah, it was we we decided we had a run. Like it was just a fun run. And like I said, we took you, you guys, we, well, yeah, it was playoffs or overtime in game six, which, you know, crowd goes nuts. And then game seven, uh, we pulled it out. I think it was by one goal in game seven too. It was tight. Yeah. Um, and then we just, yeah, we kept rolling. Right. That's a fun run. Hey, I mean, getting there, we got to the finals once with, uh, with Bridgeport got to the finals against Chicago and that didn't go well. Chicago, Chicago uh, took us out. But I mean, anytime you can go deep like that, like I'm sure you remember, I mean, so many guys in that team and um, you know, it's such a galvanizing thing to be a, to be a part of whether you win a Memorial cup or whether you go to a final, I I think it's a, it's a pretty special thing. It is. And it's, I mean, it's a grind and it's a, it's an emotional roller coaster. Uh, you know, you ride the highs, you could try to forget about the lows and I, you know, we ended up losing to Hershey that year. Um, and I, I think we lost in five. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, the, those runs are, are fun. And like you said, you, you get some pretty good friends out of that, that uh, you never forget. And it's, it's funny when, when your teams are successful, you, you usually have a really tight group. Yeah. Right. When you're not successful, you don't remember the guys you played with on the on the shit teams. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, you're going your separate ways after practice. You're you're not together on the road. You know, you're not. Well, there's nothing really to, to bring you together either. Right. You I mean, like that adversity and winning games and like doing special stuff. I mean, that brings guys together and that that's what memories are kind of made of. And that's probably why you re- obviously you remember that season a heck of a lot more than I do. I I, mean, I, do, I wasn't able to build relationships with anyone there like that first year. I didn't know anyone. Right. Yeah. And, and, and a series and a half isn't really that memorable, you know, in the, in the whole scheme of things at the end of a at the end of a long career so. Um, you're, you're hundred percent right. Not that there wasn't good guys in that team. I, mean, I know there was great guys on that team, but it's just, you know, you, you're not together long enough to, to remember it. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Go, go, back to the, uh, to the goalie stuff. Did, did you, you mentioned the goalies are, you know, or kind of recognized as being a little bit different breed within, within a sport. Uh, I've said on here before, and I think, I, I think you knew that I bought some goalie equipment after I was done and I've been on the ice a few times and, it it continuously blows my mind, even when I'm out there, that it's you are realistically and seriously playing a different game than everyone else is. Like it's it's a completely different sport. I mean, D and forward is pretty like for, goalie is just different. Like it's completely different. You have a different job than everybody else. What you're expected to do is different than everybody else. What your reads are is different than everybody else. Um, which makes sense that now that you have a different personality filling that role too, is I guess what, what my transition is, you know I mean? That it draws kind of a different personality type. Do you, did you, and it's also really uh, recognized and remembered as superstitious and very routine oriented. A lot of times goaltenders are, uh, did you have any uh, yourself that you'd want to share that you thought were maybe a little, little crazy, or did you ever play with anybody that you could tell one of their stories of some of the, some of these superstitious or pregame routines that would be entertaining? I, I think I'd like to say that I wasn't superstitious that, that I had routines. I think routines and superstitions are, are very different things. Uh, superstition means you think that the game's going to go to shit if you don't do certain things. Uh, whereas I just did the same things over and over and over. It was just a routine. Um, 
No, I like I used to touch the posts the same way. Um, used to have the same routine for the anthem, um, stuff like that. So I don't I don't know. I like to say I wasn't superstitious, but I probably was. Right, right. Did you see? Uh, I don't know if you've been following the playoffs at all, but uh, Lundqvist. Uh, they showed a they showed a clip of Lundqvist coming on the ice for game one, and Lundqvist coming on the ice for game two uh, for warm up. Uh, and like the first whatever it was, fifteen seconds of him being on the ice was you would have thought it was like a repeat. Well, they actually like they they side they side cut it right. So like oh, he came up, yeah, he touched the post. He does like two two hip flexor stretches. He does a couple of these. He grabs a puck. He shoots top shelf right. Like it was it was choreographed like exactly the same. And I mean, I assume he's been doing that for probably fifteen years, and that's why it's so in, entrenched. But. uh you know, I, I'd be curious to see if you'd follow other guys if if there's if there's that many guys that would do the same thing in the other I, positions. I, I don't know, but I mean, did did were you the same for every warm up? Like, did you do the same things? Or- I did. I, I I had a routine with the goalie after after warm up or before a game all the time. Like the way I would touch his pads or be the last one after the kind of like the group huddle, like to do. I always sort of had, yeah, a routine. I guess when it came to that. Um, I wasn't one much of like I had to have my left skate on first or I, you know, or I have to do this or time my late do this a certain way. Um, but I was a probably routine oriented, you know, what I mean, like for sure. Yeah, you know, I uh or I think you get into that that's just what's comfortable, right? And uh so it, it wasn't like I don't think I'd go in the corner and cry if I didn't get to do certain things in my warm-up, but that's you know, you get used to doing doing it certain ways. So, but that's where it gets into trouble, don't you think? Is like when guys get so, you know, religious about what I would call. I mean, I think it, when it starts to own you, like that's when it becomes not. It's not a routine. This is like that is superstition. Like if you did forget to put something or you didn't tap your post the right way, and now you're thinking about the fact that you didn't tap your post the right way, and like, <laughs> oh my gosh, now what's going to happen? Right? Like that's when I, it can get a little bit tricky. <laughs> and, I, and I think there there's definitely guys that that it that's where it does, it does it goes into a dark place for them instead of being you know instead of being this is just what i do and this is how i get ready it does if they go into a dark place like oh who touched my stick why is my yeah. stick going? yeah right and i'm sure you played with guys like that yeah well i talked to my players about that now too actually i wrote something online the other day is like i, I think as an athlete it, it's a way it's a way that we kind of can control the situation or control the environment, right? Like it's uh, having a routine or a superstition, but as soon as that superstition starts to control you, like that's ironically when, when you've gone too far, you know, because <laughs> you're not accomplishing what the, 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 the initial idea was behind it in the first place, right? Is to, this is what I do before a game. You know, this is when I stretch, this is, this is how I put my equipment on. This is the time I do it. Like all that stuff is kind of, to get it so you're not trying to reinvent it every time you get into a routine that makes sense. But when that starts to become very, uh, you know, let's say structured or itemized or, I mean, the, the, the like Serrano in, in, uh, in major league with the, with the chicken. <laughs> Live chicken. Yeah. I love that's when you can get into trouble, but okay, that's cool that you weren't anyone that was like that. Any, any tenders that, that you're with that were kind of crazy. Uh, Jamie store. Yeah. Oh my God. In between periods, used to uh, lie on his back with his feet up on the on the bench, and close his eyes and mimic go through, and he would mimic making saves. Um, and it was just it, it was it was bizarre, but that that's what he would do in between periods. And I remember I just got there, and uh, 
Matthew or uh, Schneider was the deep was there as D man, and I remember he, he, so he was a guy that just loved to have fun, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so Schneider's is there and he's watching Storzy on the uh, uh, doing all the and and he would like sit there and go boom 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 boom, boom and he was doing all these moves. So remember Schneider's is sitting there watching him and then Storzy gets up. Schneider's looks at him and goes, "If you get that many shots in this period, we're fucked anyway." <laughs> but but story that was that was Jamie Stewart's thing in between periods, and that was his superstition. He'd have to do it. Yeah, that's funny. That's a little bit ahead of his time too. I mean, goalies are making a little more uh, a visualize. I mean, making visualization a bigger part of their pregame routines now. I've been been watching some of the goalies, and a lot of guys are getting into you know, having that incorporating that, you know, the actual closing of the eyes and pretending to to make and saves. But yeah, Storzy was a little bit out there. I played he was there when I was there too in LA and he was yeah, he he was kind of the typical goalie. He was just sort of a little bit just in a little different place than everybody else. You know, he just on a regular spot. Sure. And, yeah. and like especially game days, like you don't talk to him. Yeah. Um he couldn't have fun. Um he's funny. He was the one that uh it, that it was in LA when I got all those starts and he was the one sitting beside me and he's like, can't believe they want me to be the starter. And they're giving oh. somebody like you all the starts and all this. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was sitting there and I'm just like, you can complain to anybody else, but not me. You want me to be empathetic to you partner, but probably not going to work. I'm sorry. You first rounder that's had everything handed to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Let right. me, like, this is like, I'm starting my fifth game. And this is the first time I'd ever come to the, come to the rink in the NHL where I just knew I was starting. Like that yeah. was the first time I'd ever have that thought. Usually it's like, I don't know. This yeah. is the first time I was coming to the rink and he's just bitching me out how, how bad he's got it. I was just like, <laughs> I, I remember going back to my hotel where I'm living. Right. Yeah. Thinking really? Huh? All right. Yeah. And he wasn't bad. I love that living in the hotel. You did like with Chicago. You had a place, right? Like, because you, you were you were there, yeah. So you had a, you got the top to go get a go get a place. And I, I never did have that. That'd have been nice. But uh, but at least you at least you were able to call Chicago home for a few years there, even though you're up and down in some of the other spots. Yeah, it was good. Uh, you know what? The best the best get a place story I've got, and you had him on. You had Kevin Sawyer on here. Um, so that was I, I won't lie to you. That was the first time I've ever teared up when a guy got told to get a place was we ended up going to, we were in Anaheim um, and they were out there for pregame skate. And so Kevin and I grew up together. Uh, we're the only two people from Grand Forks to ever make the NHL. And oh, we wow. played the same team together. Um, we definitely had both had different paths to get there. But uh, I remember we go to Anaheim and there, he's out there and he's obviously he's a you know he's a black ace he's out there skating after and everybody and he comes up to me and he's got a grin about this big and he's just got this huge stupid i'm like hey soizy how you doing blah blah blah. and he's just smiling like an idiot yeah and i'm like what's going on he's like they told me to get a place today like so you've cool. never seen anybody so happy in their life and that is a huge thing when you're a bubble player in the nhl and they tell you to get a place like that's that that that's a you made it uh, a euphoric you made it moment, right? Yeah, 
That is the you made it moment. Like that's that's when you know that they think that you're supposed to be there, man. And like I can just see Soizy. I mean, he's so authentic, right, and so genuine. And like I could just see like him just wearing that right on his sleeve and just being absolutely enamored by it. Grin you've ever seen. Yeah. And he's just like, they told me to get a place. I was like, holy shit! Like that was. I actually teared up at the time because I was like, I knew how hard he'd worked to get there. Um, I knew how many times he'd gone up and down Rokoff's Hill and how hard he'd, you know, how much time and effort he put in. It just felt awesome for him. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Did you, um, we'll, we'll, uh, well, maybe my last two questions here. One is, uh, you know, you were around, you're around a lot of great players. You, like we talked about even back in junior and then again in the NHL you know, your, your teams in Chicago there, you I mean, McCabe was there and Amonti and Gilmore and, you know, Probert was on that team and Robitaille you got to play with in, uh, in LA. And I mean, obviously some big, big names. Was there anyone that stood out to you as, as just either as a person or as a leader that, um, you know, that you just w- would like to share and was kind of a, a memorable experience uh, for you? Uh, you know what? There were a few guys that were uh, were really good to be around, and, and like you said, just good people. Um, Tony Amante was awesome. Uh, really liked him. He was he was one of those guys that made sure that that everybody felt included. Um, you know, which was pretty cool. Um, Luke Robitaille actually it was funny. I had to use his uh, I had to use his influence in L.A. I wanted to go take my wife out to. Uh, to dinner at Morton's in, in Hollywood when I was there uh, for my birthday. And he actually had to call and give me reservations because they wouldn't talk to me. Right. <laughs> that's, that's such an LA thing. It's like, you play for who? The Kings. Yeah. We don't know them. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what show have you been on? No, yeah. I don't know. But then, <laughs> um, Dougie Waite in LA or in uh, Edmonton, Dougie Waite was awesome too. Um, Gilmore was good. Like just a lot of guys there. You know what? There was a lot of, they're just good dudes. Yeah. You know, I, I remember Dougie Waite, my, uh, my first NHL game ever, uh, get called up. And, uh, so we're sitting there getting dressed for before the game and we're, we're across the, I, I'm on one side of the dressing room. He's literally across the room on the other side and all the boys are in there. We're getting dressed and he just yells across. He's like, Hey, Passy. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, is this your first game? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, whatever you do, don't shit the bed tonight. <laughs> I'm just like, thanks. That's awesome. Because <laughs> I wasn't scared already. Right. Right. But I got now I got Dougie Waite yelling across the room telling me not to shit the bed. Right. Oh, so it's a reinforcement, but obviously meant in a meaning kind and, uh, you know, in a, in a way to sort of hopefully break the tension for you. He did. And it was funny because he came up to me after the game. And he's like, sorry, dude. He goes, somebody did that to me my first game. And he goes, I just found it took all the weight off my shoulders. And because we get the whole room laughed. Right. Yeah. And he goes, somebody did that to me. So I he goes, I do that to everybody that comes up. Right. Just those good things that that. Yeah. Uh, those guys that he was, he was probably one of the better leaders out there. That's cool. Do you have any um, last question here? Do you have any advice for whether it be players or young goalies out there? Any, anything that you learned, you know, from your time of, you know, the long time that you played, anything that you would, you would like to let somebody else know that you could tell them one thing. 
No, I think, I think we touched on a lot of it today is, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, the game will beat you up if you let it, it really will. Um, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, uh, emotionals, like, like emotionally, uh, whether it's getting called up, whether it's getting cut from this team or, and it doesn't matter whether it's your peewee team or whether it's junior, or w- what it is, right? Like this, this career, the, the, the game's tough. Don't make it any tougher than it has to be. Yeah. Right. Like, and don't overthink it, get out of your own head. Um, and, and just have fun. Like that's, and I think, you know, you and I played together. Um, we, we both had, uh, you know, had careers that uh, the, the paths went all over the map, you know, like, like yep. everywhere from the NHL to, to playing in Europe to, it, it went everywhere. But, it, but I think we had fun, um, you know, maybe could have had a little more fun or maybe a little less. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's the big thing that I tell all the kids when I'm talking to them is, you know, just you you got it. You got to ride the ride the roller coaster and don't uh, don't take it too seriously. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's really good advice. And and I had Dusty Emu on, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that name or not. Yeah, he uh, he was a goaltending coach there for uh, Winnipeg and 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 L.A. as well. And he that was one of the things that he he said that he when he works with guys, I mean, obviously everyone's different. He's quick to say that, but he's like, a lot of times we get caught, especially as goalies. So he said players for sure is too, but like as being really, really committed to the results, like, and being so focused on that, that you completely lose track of who you are, one as a person and, and why you're playing the damn thing, you know, to, to begin with. Right. And, and he's like, when we can, what he hopes to when he works works with guys is that they can just stay connected to that spot of like fun, why they're there, you know, like why they started. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, the result, the wins and losses are going to come and, and, and that's just going to happen. But if you can identify and keep real, like why you got the skates on um, that, that that's going to keep you around and that's going to keep you like fighting through that adversity. And, and, And at the end of the day, give you better results too, which is what you, which is what we all want. Well, I think the big thing is, is you got to remember at the end of the day, you and I both got paid to play a kid's game for a living. Mm-hmm. It's a kid's game. Enjoy it. Like, like, and I, and I think, I think the, the, the more that the guys actually enjoy it, I think the longer they're going to actually have a career. Cause you're not going to burn out. Um, you're not going to hate the game. I've only played with one player ever that hated hockey, like legit hated the game, had more had more skill in his shit than I have in my body, yeah. but he hated hockey. He hated showing up to the rink every day. Yeah. And, I, and, and you know what? He didn't have a very long career, you know, and those, I, I think the, the more you can enjoy it and remember that it's a kid's game and remember why you enjoy showing up to the rink every day. I, I, I think you'll actually probably be, be better off in the long run and have a longer career than you, you would have, if, you know, if you look at it as just a job. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I think it's a great way to leave it because that is, Passy. I think that's a testament to you and your career and and how you I mean how you remembered by me as a teammate. You know, as a guy that had a good time, um, a guy that made it fun for for others. You know, and and um, maybe I'll I'll close with that one story. And I've 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 told Gunner, that's my my goalie son, a few times was when you would when you would take in the horseshoe there or the half circle. The uh, you would Passy would do this thing where he would he would reenact. Goalie- <laughs> 
goalies of the past. And uh, so he would he would do Hasek for for five shots. Then he'd do Brodeur, and then he would do Tony Esposito. And anyways, it is so funny and so hilarious. And uh, and it's just stuff like that. I mean, like that's I, I don't remember your cutouts in Mannheim. You know what I mean? But I remember I remember you doing that. I remember stuff fun that we'd have playing rebound game at the end. You know, and I think that is a that's a test of what you're saying, right? I mean, that that's why we're playing the game, right? Of course, we wanted to score the goals and get the wins and win the trophies and earn the checks. But at the end of the day, like you said, when you're old and fat, like I remember that stuff and that brings a smile to my face. And 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 I remember that about you and, and the guys that I played with. So thank you for that. Thanks for showing up today, dude. Um, I really appreciate your time. And uh, throwing that goalie mask on was a great way to <laughs> So uh, hopefully, hopefully the, uh, the 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 viewers here enjoyed it as much as I did. But um, I, I really appreciate you coming out today, Passy. All right, dude. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Cheers, man. See you, bud. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening today to my conversation with Steve Passmore. And for me, my biggest takeaway from the whole conversation, other than what a great guy Steve is, and just reminding me of how much fun we had back when we were playing together in Mannheim and how much fun it was playing against him when he was with the with the Blazers. But for me, it was about fun. Like that's just the backbone of what everything should be about. You know, for those of you who listen to the episode with Steve Kelly, Steve, Steve mentioned fun. It seems to be a common theme lately. And I think it's one that's disregarded, especially the higher up the ranks we get. Uh, coaches are and parents are usually the first ones to say to their kid in, in youth hockey as they go out to the rink, you know, have fun out there, play hard and have fun. So it's a it's a message that gets sent, but all too often gets lost uh, as we move up the ranks and as things get a little more serious and a little more competitive, that we become very serious about this thing. And of course, it's important to us. Just because something's important to you doesn't mean it has to be serious and it has to be structured and we have to be very stoic about things right we have to remember that this is a game that we are playing it's a sport and to play a sport sometimes that requires a little bit of a free fun loving attitude and mindset that goes along with that there is going to be struggles with whatever it is that we do whether that's being a hockey player whether that's with being a, a teacher or a fighter fighter or a policewoman or man there's going to be trouble right and there's going to be hard days and there's going to be things that don't go right but it's how we can embrace and support and really treasure the fun aspect and finding ways to make it fun to keep things fun um because that's what it is all about right it's the experience of what we're doing here and i think to all you hockey players out there find what you love within hockey and embrace that right and celebrate that have fun with the relationships that you're making have fun with the sport that you're playing and when we're having fun uh one you're making other people better you're a good person to be around but you're also making light of things that can be serious like results you know of course we want results but if we're so focused on being perfect and playing the perfect game and never making mistakes uh, that's not a very fun uh fun loving environment to be in so remind yourself when you make that mistake in practice and you get discouraged that hey it's supposed to be fun. Let's be fun here. Um, and it's a good message to send because I know it really works for a lot of my clients, some of these guys that, that are really serious and are really driven and really want to be their best and step into their potential, that they have to be reminded that, you know what, this pursuit, this journey is, should be a fun one. So that's the message of today. Make it fun. Thank you, Steve, for sharing that with us. And uh, till next time.
play hard and keep your head up.